Hello, I'm Steve Martin, and the Earshot Creative Review is where we play great radio production with the people who make it. The podcast is sponsored by the artist agency Hobsons, whose support means we can bring the show to Salford this time. Here we are with freelance producer Kate Cocker. Hello. GMG's Chris Stevens. Hello there. And Stuart Barrett from BBC Radio Manchester. Hello. Well, thank you, uh, all of you, uh, for having us in your city. And we should say the voices you can hear in the background are those of Louis and Hannah. It's half term, and so Kate and I have got our kids with us. <laughs> are you enjoying yourself over there? Yeah. We're playing Angry Birds. We'll say Angry Birds. Yeah. Chris, you're first. Okay, well, I've brought a couple of bits from GMG and also a bit that, uh, that I find quite inspiring. Um, the biggest project we've done over the last year has been at Real Radio where we, um, we actually took our jingles in-house and made a complete jingle package from scratch ourselves um, with a little bit of assistance here and there, but uh, it's given us an immense amount of control over what we do and how we do it, and uh, it excited us a lot, so brought a couple of examples of that. To produce those in-house needs quite a different skill set from that at most radio stations. So what have you got at Real Radio that gave you the confidence to go ahead with a project like that? Well, I, um, I rejoined GMG uh, in the summer of 2010. Before that, I did five years in Dallas at TM Studios, which is a jingle company uh, making jingles all the time. And um, so bringing the experience from there um, to Real uh, meant that we could take a project like this on that... Um, that as you said, it's, it's quite a, a specific set of skills. Um, and also, we like a challenge. You know, if, why not do it yourself? If, if, if you can, why not give it a go? And, uh, um, you know, throw the convention out the window that you have to go to a jingle company, you have to outsource all this stuff. It's given us an immense amount of flexibility. We can update stuff uh, whenever we want to, however we want to. Um, we, uh, we brought back uh, Real Radio's uh, original Sonic logo in these jingles, which... Uh, which particularly our our older stations listeners were still singing along to, even though it'd been off the air for three years, it was still being hummed along at road shows and when the news team went out with the mic flags, and it, it means that we can we can just be as as close as we want to the audio. And uh, hey, why not? You've got production skills from Dallas. What about composing, the musicians? Where do you get all those talents from? I mean, you're not pulling in the receptionist from Real Radio to play the flute, are you? I'm sure Pat would if we asked her. Um, but, um, no, I mean, technology is, is so advanced these days that it meant that we could write some basic tracks, uh, send them to uh, freelance musicians who could add their parts and send them back. It, it was very much uh, an online experience from that side of things, even down to a lot of the vocals being produced over Skype and and then they would upload the, the raw audio. It's, I mean, it is incredible what you can do these days. Uh, that said, um, there are still limits. Uh, you know, guitarists, you, you still can't reproduce a great guitar sound on, on a synth. Um, you know, great singers are great singers. You can't turn a, a mediocre one into a great singer. 
through technology. So um, while it allows you to do a lot, and this has been very much a virtual project, we still needed uh, to enlist some, some very talented people along the way. So if a programmer is listening to this now, I'm about to make a decision about where to get their next uh, jingle package from, you know, what are the considerations they need to make about going out to a, an established jingles house or bringing it in-house as you have done? Well, first I'd say bringing it in-house is a colossal project. It, it took us the best part of three months um, of, of a lot of work, a lot of um, uh, equipment needed, a lot of contacts needed as well. I mean, it can be done, and I'd encourage anyone who wants to give it a go to give it a go. Um, and interestingly, uh, some other groups are doing similar stuff at the moment as well. Uh, you've had Chris Nicholl on talking about Capital, and they've done a lot of, a lot of really good stuff in-house. Um, but actually, if, if, if a station is buying jingles, it's a great time to be buying jingles. There are so many jingle companies with such a wide range of really interesting sounds um, from the US companies to, to ones in this country, and actually now as well. Uh, some really interesting uh, jingle companies in, in mainland Europe as well. Um, and uh, less and less radio groups, more and more jingle companies. It is a buyer's market. So uh, you, can, uh, you can get some, some really innovative stuff, and you won't... You don't have to sound like everyone else on the dial. It's a, it's a good time to be uh, to be going down to going down the jingle route. And presumably, every time you play those jingles on the air, you're making money because you own the rights. Well, it's moved um, jingles at GMG or for, for Real Radio certainly uh, from being a uh, a cost to being an income stream. Yeah, we do uh, we do get the the publishing PRS uh, comes back in, uh, which in these. Uh, uh, lean times is is certainly a benefit, but but we when we started this and we did a lot of demoing at first, our rule was we're only going to put stuff on air that's right for the radio station. This is not uh, an accountancy driven uh, manoeuvre, and that's so it's it's a, a slippery slope if you get onto that as well because the the lure of the returns can be quite strong. So uh, you have to know creatively why you're doing it. It's kind of gone full circle, hasn't it, really? Because didn't the first jingle company in, uh, or the first station in Dallas have jingles that were made in-house as well? It's kind of gone full circle in 50-odd years. It has, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's some very interesting historical examples in the UK as well of, um, like, Metro Radio once just got Lindisfarne yeah, in to Lindisfarne, do all their jingles. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the idea of, of not doing it traditionally isn't new. But, yeah, there, there have been some, some bizarre routes to jingles in the past. Would you be interested in doing it for other non-competitive radio groups? Uh, well, I, I, I do a bit already on the side. So. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, that's something we're looking at now, is, is whether there's a way that we can then offer the Real Radio Jingle Package actually out abroad. elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. completely. And, um, you know, so uh, who knows here? Could end up elsewhere as Real well. Real Jingles. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. That is the brand. I'm, I'm, I'm off to buy okay, the Just get that URL. <laughs> what else have you got, Chris? The other piece I've brought along is actually from our, our classic rock station, Real Excess. was made by uh, James Espy, the producer there. Uh, it's, uh, it's a promo from campaign we've run le- recently, which, um, for a number of reasons, fits the station really nicely. Real Excess. What makes our jobs rock? Mike Sweeney. In 1969, I was doing a gig at Manchester Polytechnic. We were on first, and the next band, who were relatively unknown and had a, a couple of albums out, but nothing had gone into the charts, started to play. We looked at the band, and we actually thought, this is time for us to leave the music business because they were that good. The band were free. It's still one of the greatest slabs of rock and roll music ever. What makes you rock? Tell us now at realradioaccess.co.uk.
That's the first time I've heard that, and it really underscores the credibility of the presenters, and he tells the story really well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the production itself, it's, it's mixed very nicely, but what makes this great is not the production. It's not about... Uh, you know, particularly whiz-bang techniques, but um, it underlines all that's important for real access. It's um, great storytelling. It uh, it really uh, positions the music we play very well, but it also shows the passion that um, our presenters have. And you know, Mike Sweeney, he's from Salford. He's played in the Salford Jets for many years, a um, uh, almost successful rock band. Um, and uh, and to hear him and the other presenters talk about the music they love, the experiences they've had, just uh, sums real excess up in 40 seconds for me. And I, I really like that campaign and uh, all credit to James who put it together. And what's wonderful about that is that, as you said, it, it really gets right to the heart of the essence of the station, of what Mike's about, you know, and, and that that's something that every promo should really do. You know, either your production keeps your music flowing or it highlights what you do really, really well. And it, it's one message and that's it. It's really, really nice. I really like that. Well, let's segue through into your tracks. Oh. <laughs> okay, so um, the first one I think we'll play then is um, an ad that I made for Spotify quite recently. Um, this is a really lovely, a, a lovely thing to come by in that we wrote a script for them and the client kind of liked it straight away, which is one of those beautiful moments where you go, well, we'll give them the really creative script and we'll give them really straight script. And some, they often go for the really straight one. But they came back and went for the, quite, the little bit more creative, a little bit more shooting from the hit script script and it performed really well on Spotify as well with a with a high number of high percentage number of click throughs higher than they usually get. So might as well go ahead for Muller Light. Once upon a time, such as right now, a beautiful princess, which is you, clicked on the Muller Light logo in her Spotify player and discovered she could win a thousand pound shopping spree. She did as the website told her and she won one thousand pounds worth of new clothes. And then she took her Muller Light and her new wardrobe and rode off into the sunset to eat happily ever after. That was you in the future, so do it. Go on, click the link and find out how to win all those new clothes. Muller Light. Eat happily ever after. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, it's a very female-friendly piece of it's, audio yeah. and it's produced by, by a woman. Yeah. Is that the only way to make work like that? Um, well, I always sort of think back to the fact that Sex in the City... I was always told by one of my bosses, Sex in the City is made by men, mate, <laughs> in, in this thick Australian accent. And it, I think it's, again, it's just about understanding audience. And I guess if you're targeting women and you are a woman, then that obviously helps towards having that level of empathy. But what I really love about this is it just, it just harks back to, I think, Chapter 9 in Wizard of Ads, which is make out that the prize has already been won all they have to do is just get it and that's what that kind of came from for me and then I guess it's that reality of going come on it's you you idiot it's that's to me that's what I'm like what I would listen to and what stands out from the radio for me and again you've got the kind of the the click the signposts to click through I think it is twice in that 30 seconds so again they as I said they just had a really high performance on it and great to have that immediate feedback on a campaign yeah, massively. And I think it's something that we then always aspire to when you're making an ad. You're always like, well, you click through. I, the I mean, the percentages aren't massively high. I think it's something like if you... That one got, I think, 2%, they said to us. And I think that they usually... They, they think they're performing well when they get one. So, you know, it's, it's not massively high. But when you're dealing with a format where you're not just asking listeners to remember the name of the website you want them to go to or the name of the brand that you want them to buy you're actually asking them to physically interact with your advert i think that that's that i mean i, I think that's brilliant and, it, and again as you said it's just so instant that you can then you start to understand what works and what doesn't a lot more easily and you with maria and with fee glover are all in the sound women movement yeah. Yeah. Um, just tell me, because you've had some success in highlighting the lack of women on air, 
what's your view of women in production? Is uh, are they similarly underrepresented in your view? Well, I think it's. I think that's what you've hit upon there is exactly what this is all about. It's just about having that level of representation. I think there are a lot of women. Chris, you were saying you've got women on your team. Um, that when I look up at Six Music at the weekends, and I produce a show for, for Six Music, I look up at my desk and I'm surrounded by women. In fact, it's men who are in the minority. So it's not like the women aren't there, and it's not like we're struggling and all and all that. It's more that when it comes to those higher levels, it's just getting that representation. And someone like Nikki Birch, for example, speaking at Fast Train, and she was quoted everywhere this week, I think is a really positive thing for people to see. Because, for example, I've taken a job where I travel down to London every weekend. I wouldn't have done that if I didn't know Lisa Kerr did that sort of thing at Radio Centre. So it's just having those people in the industry that kind of go, well, I do that. You go, well, oh, OK, well, if she can do that, I can do that too. And I think that that is what Sound Women is about. It's about making sure that those people are represented at those levels to help people come through the, the, the industry. Yeah, I just think it's more than tokenism, isn't it? Yeah. Because sometimes you think, oh, they're only here because, and it's not true. And my experience of running creative teams is they're always at their most successful when you've got a mix of women and men and old and young, and you're running a creative team, Chris. What's your experience? Um, we have um, a, a, a couple of women in our production team, and um, any, any out, out of how many? Out of eleven, right. as, uh, two out of eleven. Um, uh, also thinking through our group, actually, I did, did a bit of uh, thinking before I came here, and um, uh, nearly all our stations have uh, female presenters on air during the day. Um, our news teams uh, have three out of five female editors. Um, it's you know, it's it's not as um, diverse as it should be I think the whole of the industry is like that but certainly for my team having, having um, women in it does bring uh, extra creativity in extra ways um, as, as I think uh, any diversity does and uh, I certainly would, would encourage more of it The InShot Creative Review sponsored by Hobson's Kate, let's hear your next piece of audio, and this is a long one. Yes, it is a little bit long, sorry, and the other, the other piece I've got as well is quite long. Um, this is the station opener from when we launched Exo Manchester in 2006, and I guess, again, this is... I wrote this and got it voiced, and then Adam Cole and I put it together. And there were two things I wanted to point out about this. One is, again, the script, and two is the power of the pause, which came up a lot, I think, at Fast Train this, this, this year. Um, and I really believe in both of those things as a way of making your, your production work. Manchester. 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 We navigate our way through different dimensions, times and places. Anthony H. Wilson. The Hacienda. Busby Bates. Bobby Charlton. Commonwealth Games. Little Kirsty. George Best. George Evers. Sets a new scoring record for Manchester United. Day, Hall Lake, Peter Hook, Oldham Street, Boddington's Brewery, Bayek, it's gorgeous, Stephen Patrick Morrissey, Lowry, The Ritz, Factory Records, Cobble Streets, Gary and Phil Neville, Coronation Street, Shameless, Liam and Noel Gallagher, City of Manchester Stadium, Manchester City are promoted, Athletics Palace, Francis Lee, Harry Mile, Ian Brown, Ian Curtis, Northern Court, Jack and Vera Duckworth, Sir Charles Halley, Sorted, Cantona, The Post Box on Corporation Street, Sean Ryder. Manchester, Manchester, Manchester. Manchester. 
It's a path you tread. The air you breathe. The team you support. The people you touch. The sights you see. The words you speak. Now it's what you hear. A new music station is born. Ah. XFM 97.7 XFM Manchester 97.7 XFM Manchester is live on air Come on! We're off! Come on! Clint Boone is here! Sean Ryder is in the building! Nelson Mandela couldn't make it We're making history, you're part of it Down, down, you bring me down Uh, so it's as much about Manchester as the radio well, station. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were an FM radio station launching in Manchester, which was the first time for a really long time until then Rock came along, slash Real XF. And um, uh, I, I came up to launch the station. I didn't live in Manchester at the time. And my boss was like, right, well, you, you need to make the station opener. You're the only one here with any imaging experience. Go. So I was like, right, OK, so what do you want? What do you want to feel? How do you want? And he said it was just pride and an understanding of Manchester. And at the time as well there were lots of boards all around Piccadilly with um, they they were doing some building work and all the boards around Piccadilly they've got um, poets and people in, in the city to write poems for to go on the board so you were literally travelling along on the tram and you'd see the poems and I was like it would be really nice to put something like that into the the script for the actual station opener so we went around this kind of big list of all the things that were Manchester all the way through to the post box on Corporation Street which if you're a mank well you know it was a that was a big symbol at the time of the bomb of, of like survival it was the one thing that had survived and um, so everything went in for all sorts of things and then the poem at the end I wrote which I was really proud of it was just a really little it was you know when something comes out really easily but you kind of go I know it seems a bit cliche but it, it is really good and it's perfect and then at the time I was producing Sony, Tony Wilson's Sunday Roast and Sean Ryder came in so it was a last minute thing oh my god let's get Sean to read it so we got Sean to read it and he sounded really good on it and we played it back to him since oh Tim has my husband on the radio show and he's like I don't remember doing that <laughs> and he did actually say that you know the lyricist god he's like oh I wish I'd written that and that was a big I was like oh check it out Sean Ryder wished I'd written, he'd written something I'd written so it was just, that was that was really nice and then the pauses were just in there to build the drama so I remember standing in the studio and Gemma was about to hit play on the song before that very last pause and I'm waving my hands in the air going, no, don't play it, don't play it, that's the point. But it's like leaving it that extra second so that everyone's going, oh God, dead air. Oh no, it's there, it's fine. So, you know, it was, that was what it was all about. So, yeah, that's kind of the story behind that. And not coming from Manchester, did that give you a fresh eye or was that a real challenge to get inside the mind of a local uh, Mancunian? It was, it was a challenge. The reason I came to Manchester was because I really wanted to be here. And I think if you speak to people now, they'll be like, oh, gosh, she's just such a wannabe mank. It's ridiculous. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it was a case of... It was a really nice way to get to know Manchester as well, to speak to my colleagues who were mank and see what was important to them and to sort of get to know the area as well. So, yeah, it, it was a challenge, but it was a really nice one to have. And Stuart Barrett's here. You're from BBC Radio Manchester, so you kind of own the word... Uh, what do you think of that audio? 
It was interesting listening to it actually because it took me back to um, we did a similar thing when we turned from GMR into uh, Radio Manchester in um, March of 2006 and we didn't think we could write anything like that I'm not from this side of the Pennines and the the manager who is um, hot on imaging is from um, down south originally and so um, it's interesting to hear um, you're talking about Anthony H. Wilson there so we said to uh, Wilson we're thinking of doing this little bit of composition to kick off before Terry Christian reads the first words on the air on the new BBC Radio Manchester and he wrote something and it is interesting that some of the things that you had in your opener were what um, you know Tony Wilson had included for us. Uh, so Stuart, let's move on to the audio you have brought. What, what are you going to play now on the Earshot Creative Review? When we knew that we were coming to Salford, which was long before any of these buildings that we're sitting looking at today were around, we thought, wouldn't it be great if we kind of highlighted the fact that when we move from Manchester to Salford, you're not losing that Manchesteriness. Um, and so we thought we would do one day in Salford. So... Um, we were using IQ Beats at the time and we thought, wouldn't it be great if we tried to convert three syllables of Manchester into two syllables of Salford? So because we had a really good working relationship with them and because we were really proud of the jingles, we thought if we're doing one day in Salford, it will sound totally ludicrous to call the station BBC Radio Manchester. So we had the branding redone to be BBC Radio Salford and this is how it worked. And that must have really confused your listeners. <laughs> yeah, I think because we'd done quite a bit of um, promotional work before it was on the air and because of the reputation we had of using imaging and um, that sort of thing creatively, hopefully people would have got the idea we had promoted it quite heavily in the run-up to it and um, you know, even gone to the trouble of having some of the window branding redone and what have you, which seems a bit excessive. But if you're doing something, you may as well uh, do it properly and so we thought we would do it was a lot of work to have it all redone for one day and loading it into the playout system and what have you but it was worth it and what kind of reaction did you get from your audience I think they were kind of surprised but pleased that we'd done it, particularly because we were embracing the whole thing of moving to Salford rather than, you know, there'd been a bit of negative um, feeling, I think, from the press and what have you about, you know, why is the BBC moving to this new building when they're crying the poor tale? So hopefully people thought, well, they're taking it seriously and we certainly were. This Monday... What the Lowry Centre has done, it's not just done it for Salford, it's done it for the entire north. It's something for everybody. One day... Your race is dead. You all burn, all of you. Ten million ships on fire. The entire Dalek race wiped out in one second. One day in Salford. We were going to call ourselves the Deadbeats. Uh, I think it was either Alan or Tony who said, because we loved Buddy Holly and we were great fans, he said, call us the Hogs. This is really the basis of a lot of industrial panoramas. I think it's the first one I ever did in Salford. One day in Salford. From six on Monday morning at BBC Radio Salford, Manchester. Nice little trick at the end there. Chris, you spend years building up your radio station brands in a very consistent manner. It must be quite a brave move to suddenly switch out of a brand that you've uh, spent that long building up to do something like Radio Salford. Would you ever do that in commercial radio? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there have been quite a few examples of stations rebranding for a day. Mix 96 rebranded a little Mix 96 towards the end of uh, the, the last X Factor. Um, and uh, we've done some similar things at times in the past as well. I think, I think you can do it. I think you've got to have a strong brand 
built up at first and Radio Manchester has always had a very strong sound um, particularly you know the, the, the IQ Beats ran for what five years five and a half yeah. five and a half and, and you know it was a very well known melody um, so um, it can be really really fun to, to then alter something and, and, and play with people's minds a bit about what they're expecting to hear what they actually hear um, but but you've it does also require, you know, a little bit of caution and and, and, and thought that goes into it, and, and clearly there is here. With and it, you know, I if, if I'd had that on the air, uh, I'd have certainly grinned and uh, uh, and enjoyed hearing it. When when you hear the, the trail, you think, I wonder whether or not they will really call it Radio Salford for a day, and so we thought, why not? And to go to the effort of doing the jingles, and uh, you know. It, it, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Um, another example, uh, Q103, when Take That came to town, became Take That 103, and uh, read the website logo and all this kind of stuff. And even their big bus, they pulled off the branding, like you were saying about the BBC building, and, and put Take That 103 stuff on there. And uh, uh, So if you're going to do it, do it properly. And how easy was it to get the senior management in the BBC to agree to a stunt like that? I think that because there was the good feeling about the move to Media City and Salford, anything which would enhance that would be something they would they would agree to. I mean, it wasn't like changing the name of the radio station on a permanent basis. I think that would be really brave to call it BBC Radio Salford. But for a day, it was highlighting what was going on. There was so much talkability and editorial about it, it would have been silly not to. BBC Radio Salford And tell me more broadly about... BBC Radio Manchester and the kind of work you're doing. Because unlike commercial radio, you're not doing big prize giveaways, you're not promoting your music positioning. So what are your promos mostly about? Yeah, it's interesting because we have a few landmark programmes and um, bits of programming from time to time which we would do um, bigger campaigns around, but most of the stuff that we do at the moment tends to be just trying to reinforce the name of the presenters, what time they're on, and trying to increase the hours. So it's just pointing to you know particular people at particular times of day and then you get specific trials for sports coverage and, and things like that and the landmarks as and when they come along. And what is the piece you brought here? It says, uh, Love Manchester. Oh, yeah, this is all to do with those terrible days in August of last year in the aftermath of the riots. And there was a a lot of ill feeling, I think, in Manchester towards the people who'd been involved. And um, there was a campaign going on Facebook about um, loving Manchester. And we thought, well, we're BBC Radio Manchester. We love Manchester. So why don't we try and use some of the audio that we've gathered during the riots, during the aftermath of the riots, and turn it into something that actually says, we love Manchester. And this was a campaign of probably 10 pieces of which this is one. Give you an idea of what it's like. This is where you live. I love Manchester because there's far too much music to go and see. Everything uh, from the people to the streets, like the shops, everything I love, everything about Manchester. So I like all the variety of different places to go and drink after work. <laughs> um, generally, like we've got baby nails, it's quite nice. We've got canal right near us as well. Manchester United. <laughs> and there's lots of things to do. Manchester's great. Um, we've got our shop here in Athletics and uh, every day we just see really great people who are just like really enthusiastic about art and fashion and design and there's a real vibrancy to the city and uh, real enthusiasm. I like the new buildings of the Manchester spinning fields and your restaurants, the cinema outdoors. I love how the 
look after citizens that are living around Manchester area. Being a northern lad, it has to be the red football team, not the blue. Love Man City more now because we are going to be the top dogs before the end of the season. Everyone sticks together and supports each other. Your home, be part of it. BBC Radio Manchester. So just listening to that and the piece, Kate, you played from XFM shows, there's stations on the dial here trying to out-pride each other on their connection with Manchester. Well, we were talking earlier about me being not from Manchester and arriving, and and it was one of the biggest draws to this city is how proud everyone is of this city. Only one of them's got Manchester in the name, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then... um, well, XFM Manchester, I don't know. That's no, cheating though, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I think, you, you know, you walk around in the, in, the, in the city and you see the Smiths in the front of a shop and you think, oh, that's for the tourists. And then you realise, oh, no, actually, the people, it's because people believe in that so much. So, um, and that, that promo that you just made, I was like, oh, it's going to make me cry. I don't think it could have made us any more proud. The people that, you know, the, the riots, the effect of the riots, you know, how dare people touch our city in that way? You know, it really brought us all back again together. And I was there cleaning up the next day. There was nothing to clean up. Everyone had cleaned up. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the city, isn't it? People don't live as part of the northwest. I think, you know, people live locally, don't they? As in Manchester and then nationally. I don't think that anybody would say to you, oh, you know, I'm from the northwest. They I'm from say, a region. I'm from Manchester, yeah. isn't it? They wouldn't say, oh, I'm from the, from the yeah. northwest. You, only if you had to explain to somebody where Manchester was would you dare to say the northwest. You would never say, oh, by the way, it's just along the road from those cities starting with L, whether it be <laughs> left to go to Liverpool or right to go to Leeds, would you? It's Manchester. People live locally. And that's an ongoing problem uh, we have with, with the Real Radio brand. We have uh, some of our stations are in very strong areas, you know, Scotland's station, the, the station for Wales, Yorkshire. The North West is a far more difficult one because uh, Liverpool, Manchester, uh, plus, I mean, there's so many other big towns and cities here as well. Um, but Manchester, there's so much great broadcasting in Manchester that's about Manchester. And then, you know, you, you've got... Uh, key, you've got Capital, you've got Radio Manchester but then get out to the, the community level and there are so many community stations as well um, I mean Salford City Radio here All FM, Withenshaw, there's loads of them that are, are then you know dealing with their communities and um, it's uh, it's very refreshing just to tune around because you always find things you weren't expecting and uh, for that to still be happening these days in this world of brands and everything else is actually really quite cool. But is it not the case though with a brand like Smooth Radio where you just leave behind the regional roots and say okay we are now national we may have come from uh, a regional centre and much like the Guardian newspaper just accept that we are now national and we're going to accept our heritage but move on well that's what we've done with Smooth Radio uh, when we went national uh just about a year and a half ago. Uh, but Smooth Radio was always a music-led radio station. It wasn't about regional information in the same way as Real is or like uh, BBC Manchester or the Bauer stations. Um, Smooth was always led by its, its mood, its atmosphere. Uh, so it was, it was, from a programming perspective, it made sense. Um, Real is very much about regional output um, and, and about what's happening in the area. Uh, but having said that, even on Smooth, we still have uh, regional news, travel, weather, sports. So you're, you're listening to big national names, you're listening to uh, a national service, but the information is still about your area. So we think it's the best of both worlds. We thought when we were going from GMR to 
Radio Manchester whether or not it would alienate people who were elsewhere in Wigan and Bolton and what have you, but because Manchester is the brand, like we were saying, I don't think that that's a, a big problem. And it was interesting, we were toying with the phone-in number, which had been the same for as long as I can remember, going back 20-odd years, and we thought, I wonder whether or not we ought to turn it into an 0845. And we thought, no, there's something about 0161 being Manchester, it straight away says to you, if you say, oh, by the way, the phone number's 01, anything other than 0161, automatically you feel alienated. And like you're saying, you know, the Northwest, you don't have like a Northwest dialing code, it's the Manchester dialing code, and that's what, that's what makes it strong. And immediately you identify it being local. Yeah, there's a very interesting relationship between Manchester and Salford. It's, it's quite different to, say, Newcastle and Sunderland, uh, or Glasgow and Edinburgh. I mean, Salford isn't anti-Manchester in the same way that uh, Sunderland is so anti-Newcastle. Um, it's, it's a relationship that you have to get to understand and get to know. Um, we, we make fun of it on, on Real Access. You know, we say that it's Manchester's classic rock station broadcasting from Salford because the council tax is cheaper and stuff like that. Um, but it's not until you, you, you live here that you really understand that, that makeup of the area. Great radio production and the people who make it. The Earshot Creative Review, sponsored by Hobsons. It's the Earshot Creative Review from Salford, uh, which is near Manchester, and as uh, we've just discovered, has slightly cheaper council tax. Uh, I'm Steve Martin, and with me this time, Kate Cocker and Stuart Barrett uh, from BBC Radio Manchester and Chris Stevens from GMG Group. We're playing some great audio. Thanks for bringing it all along. And now, as we always do in the podcast at this point, we turn to uh, 1% inspiration, the inspiration uh, that keeps us going and uh, fuels our own creative ideas. Stuart, what have you brought? This is something that I just randomly came across on the internet a while ago and when I knew I was coming on I thought, oh, I must dig that out. And um, John Wells was the voice of Radio 1 in the early 1990s and everybody seemed to want him but of course he was signed up to Radio 1 exclusively for quite a few years and then you started to hear him appearing on other stations and I seem to remember him being on something like Radio Hartlepool and you thought "Mm, I'm not sure that that sounds quite the same but he's best when he's selling big promos like big radio stations like Radio 1 and this was for a station in the Rockies and it was a Megadeth listening weekend and it uses John Wells to his best and it's quite creative and I I just quite liked it it came back into my mind and I thought oh I'll bring it along alright alright here's the place knock on the door give me a second man I will can I help you uh yeah we're here for the Megadeth listening party do you have an invitation uh no (laughs) well then f*** off what'd he say (laughs) he told you to f*** off 1067 KBPI presents the Megadeth Listening Party, and you should know, it's invitation only. Oh yeah, we know. This weekend, KBPI is throwing down invites all weekend. This could be the greatest weekend of our lives. You and a friend can be among the few who get to hang with Megadeth. Check out the new album and see a rare Megadeth acoustic set. Sound like something you want to do? When you get the signal, be caller 10, and you'll hang out with KBPI and Megadeth. From the station that's rocked the Rockies for 30 years, it's not radio, it's BPI. BPI. I think we might steal that idea and use it on Real Access, actually. (laughs) That's brilliant, and um, it's nice when a voiceover can can play a... Um, a role in the promo like that. You got the impression that he enjoyed doing that because he must get loads and loads of really boring things to do and all of a sudden that one is just like, oh, hang on a second, this one stands out and because it stood out to him, it stands out on the air. 
And Kate, to me, that sounds like a really male skewed piece. What do you make of it? Uh, I don't think I, I, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I loved my favourite bit is the, the whole the telephone bit. <laughs> um, it just goes back to knowing your audience, doesn't it? And you know, I, I, I mentioned this a lot off from doing this, but uh, when I was working at uh, GWR slash GCAP slash Global. Um, I worked a lot with Anne DeWig and some of her best stuff was when she did DC 101 and all the, the male-orientated things that she'd written, she'd sung, performed, voiced, you know, and, and there's a woman writing in a male world. So, again, it's just that understanding your audience. As long as you know that, I think you're onto a winner, really. I've had a cup of tea with John Wells. He sounds like that in real life as well. Uh, Chris, what have you got here for your piece of inspiration? I know I'm a jingle geek, uh, so nothing excites me more than power intros. Um, and they're, they're back in again now. In fact, uh, Capital have reintroduced them with the, the new side of Capital. Key have just put them on the air with their new Wise Buddha package a week or so ago. But um, when musically I want to hear some stuff that inspires me, I'll often go to Ben Needle's website, which is noisefusion.com. He's a brilliant producer. He kind of created the original... Um, sound of XFM back in the day um, and is, is fantastic but these are power intros that he made for Capital FM about five or six years ago um, and what's cool is for each song he basically created a piece of music to go on the front of the song mixed in some acapellas they had and um, there's, there's loads on his website I've just picked three or four out but um, whenever I listen to them they, they find me up to try and do some cool stuff with music incredibly powerful kind of invasive device and I'm thinking back to Madonna's Beautiful Stranger whenever I hear that song I can still hear the, the Sandy Beach Radio 1 logo over the intro even if it's on another station yeah they can be uh, really powerful and that's the idea you know get your logo in there get your, your station name and then when you hear the song and, and nowadays with music TV with commercials you can hear that song all over the place um, but my golden rule with power intros is do it brilliantly or don't do it at all. There's no middle ground. And likewise, if you're trying to mimic the sound of an artist, either hit it absolutely spot on or go the other direction and don't try and sound like them at all because there's nothing worse than a bad power intro. So who's doing the really good stuff now? Um, pure jingles, brilliant stuff. Um, I'm uh, enjoying ones I'm hearing uh, around Manchester on the airwaves here on the, the CHR stations, which, of course, both use the same slogan, which adds more fun to the whole situation. Um, and, but, I mean, historically, you know, some of the Radio 1 ones that, uh, that Sandy did were, were absolutely excellent. And I, I always like it when, um, when producers who haven't got the big studios, whatever else, just take the acapellas and play around with the acapellas and, and, and merge them in with the intros, uh, as long as they've got the musical ear. 
then uh, then you can have some really good fun with them. I, I made a power middle once. Because <laughs> uh, with a music control, when I was working on that, we had to text 82122, and Chemical Brothers pushed the button in the middle. Uh, I just changed the lyrics slightly to say, instead of push the button, text 82122 <laughs> in the middle there. I was like, this is this going to be a new thing? I can start this off. <laughs> and you brought some Stan Freeberg. Yeah, I know. I'm very annoying and, and very arty. Um, but... I tend to take inspiration. When, I, when it comes to inspiring you for making imaging, I think it's very difficult to listen to other things without wanting to just copy it. So I kind of try and listen outside of that. And um, this piece I had on a vintage children's favourite CD that I lent to someone and never got back and have recently come by it again. And um, it's the story of Red Riding Hood done in, I think, the 1950s or something like that in a National Lampoon-type way called Little Blue Riding Hood by Stan Freeberg. And the thing I love about it is it's everything that you want in a bit of imaging. It's a different take on something. It's funny. There's lovely define and demonstrate moments. There's bits that catch you out, bits that make you laugh, bits that make your ears prick up. It's only three minutes long. It's perfect. So, uh, yeah, I think, for me, this is something that inspires me. The story of Little Blue Riding Hood is true. Only the colour has been changed to prevent an investigation. This is The Woods. My name is Wednesday. I work out of Homicide. Monday, February the 2nd, 10.22 a.m., Bumped into chicken licking. Told me the sky was falling. I booked her on a 614, turned her over to the psychiatrist. Then a call came in at a 503. When I was on my way to the 503, a 618 came in. I added up the 614, the 503, and the 618. Got 1,735. I handed in my paper to the chief. He corrected it. Gave me 100%. Patted me on the head. Told me I was a good cop. 11.45 a.m. It happened. I saw a little girl in a blue hood carrying a basket. I stopped to question her. Pardon me, ma'am. Could I talk to you for just a minute, ma'am? What about? Nothing much, ma'am. Just want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. What's your name? Little Blue Riding Hood. Where are you going, ma'am? Grandma's house. Yes, ma'am. What do you got in the basket? What are you trying to say? I got something in the basket I shouldn't have? No, ma'am. I didn't say that. Then why are you asking me all these questions for? Just routine, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. May I have a look in that basket, ma'am? Be my guest. Let's see. Sawed-off shotgun. Knife. Bludgeon. Box of dum-dum shells. Nothing suspicious here. All right, ma'am, we may want to talk to you later, so don't leave the woods. She skipped on down the path, but she didn't know I'd seen the concealed compartment in the basket. In it, what I'd suspected all along. Goodies. My job, get to Grandma's before she did. I took a shortcut through the strawberry patch. It was sort of a strawberry shortcut. I walked up to the cottage, rang the bell. Come in, dear. Okay, Grandma, it's a raid. A raid? Why, I'm just a peace-loving old lady. You've got the wrong Grandma. Yes, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. Where'd you get that bump on your head? The sky fell on me this morning. I made a note to book her on the 614 and turned her over to the psychiatrist. I tied her up, put her in the closet, then I put on the Grandma suit and got into bed. Come in, ma'am. Hello, Grandma. I got the loot. What are you doing in bed? I'm feeling poorly. But, Grandma, what big ears you have. All the better to get the facts. I just want to get the facts, ma'am. But, Grandma, what a big subpoena you have in your pocket. All the better to serve you with. But, Grandma, what a big 38 police special you have pointed at me. All the better to take you in. You're under arrest. You and your grandma are operating a goodies ring. A cop? 
I should have known. Known what, ma'am? You look nothing like my grandma. You forgot about the mustache. But I don't have a mustache. I know, but grandma does. Well, I see you broke the goodies ring. How'd you get a lead on her, Joe? I just played a hunch, Frank. It was just a hunch. I played my luck. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. I was just lucky. I just played a hunch, Frank. What you're trying to say, Joe, is you just played a hunch. A lucky guess. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. You just played a hunch. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Joe? Yeah, I just played a hunch. When I listen to that, I hear that Megadeth thing that you played. You know, I hear all that American, wonderfully written promos. I hear all of that. That's where that's all rooted in and come from and everything. I, I just think it's that lovely idea of creating a story and a, and a setting and getting that pastiche right as well. <laughs> Giving me some ideas for our rock station, actually. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> Truly inspiring, you see? <laughs> Thank you all for the last half hour. Uh, Kate Cocker, freelance producer. Stuart Barrett from BBC Radio Manchester and Chris Stevens from GMG Group. Thank you all again. Next time we're in London with Matt Clark from Magic 105.4. I'm Steve Martin. We're sponsored by Hobson's. And there's more about the podcast and photos and links at earshotcreative.com. Photos, links, and details of how you can be part of the Earshot Creative Review. Find us at earshotcreative.com.